Okay, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moms and dads, children of all ages, welcome to Living on a Thin Line with uh, Tony Visick. I am a Tony Visick. That's why we say Living on a Thin Line with Tony Visick, because I am the uh, wither. I am the wither of this show. So, um, good afternoon. It is 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, or more to the point, Arizona time. It is 2 p.m. In, uh, in Arizona, in the Valley of the Sun, uh, from uh, probably one of the hottest places in the nation right now, with the biggest corona hotspot. Here we sit, all alone with a broken heart. Feel like we ate three bennies and our semi-truck won't start. That's actually an old uh, country song. So uh, I don't know why it popped in my head. Old things pop in my head, and then I forget where my shoes are, even if I'm wearing them. Uh, this is your daily diversion from all the anger, anxiety, weirdness, and hoopla going on in the world today. Uh, we come to you and we try to, um, sometimes we talk about some serious stuff, but you know, <clears throat> for the most part, we try to keep it light and goofy. Uh, the show is based on three things, three things primarily. Uh, it is based on questions and comments from you, the audi, the audience, uh, whenever I, um, uh, whenever you question or comment on Facebook live or on YouTube at the comedy schools channel or on comedy schools, radio network.com. So it's there. Uh, that's that's what we do. Then um, uh, it's based on that. It's also based on some uh, trinket or memorabilia or autograph or something I have laying around here in the home office that I share with you and maybe share a little story about, just a little down-home talk about something that I own. Um, and then uh, I uh, recommend either two artists or piece of music based on my vast final album collection. And I show you the album cover. People go, why don't you play the music, Tone? Well, we'd love to play the music. We would be excited to play the music. But uh, there's something called, uh, you know, and it works both ways. It, it's a double-edged sword. There's musical rights. And if we played it, we would either get cease and desist letters, tell us to stop, or they would take the videos down, or they would then, I'd get letters from music publishing companies going, you owe us for this music. In one way, I understand it. The songwriters... The owners of the copyrights deserve to get paid, although so many of those were stolen from artists. Uh, but on the other hand, it keeps it keeps uh, sometimes a wider variety of people from being able to access something that may be long forgotten that we're trying to revive. So we don't play music because uh, we don't want to have to pay for it or get ugly letters from lawyers. If you've ever gotten an ugly letter from a lawyer, you know that even if you go, this lawyer doesn't have a leg to stand on, that you now got a rabbit hole you have to go down to and deal with for a while. Hello to Kevin Brown, Tina and Mike Lawson, Dave Van Winkle. Hello to all of you. I'm, it's going to be a little shorter show today. Uh, we're only going to go uh, 95 hours. No, uh, I should do that. I should do some sort of weird marathon thing. See if I could stay on the air for like three days. Just third day going, I don't know if I can make it, man. We were just trying to raise money for... Uh, cystic fibrosis in rats and rabbits. We're going to go one more time, man. Now we're going to read from the Book of Mormon. Um, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm not doing this to uh, cause myself pain. I'm doing it to reduce pain for me, for you. Our theory is that if we take a little break midday, that we can go back and deal with the responsible issues that we have to, uh, that we will encounter as the day wears on. So that's why we do what we do today. Um, Kevin Brown says, hello, Tony. I'll have to finish watching later. T-T-Y-S. That's like titties. He just wrote titties. I don't think that's what it means. Did you mean titties? 
Jeez. Um, talk to you soon. But it, you know, if you look at it phonetically, it looks like titties with a Y. So, uh, you know, yeah, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, I am wearing a Merle Haggard hat, ladies and gentlemen. This is an official, um, I know that on Facebook Live it's a mirror image, so it's backwards. But on YouTube you can see it. This is an official Merle Haggard hat. I bought this at a concert back in the 90s. Back in the 90s at, um, I believe, the Pantages Theater. The Pantages Theater. Where I saw uh, Merle Haggard and Bob Dylan perform together. And uh, if memory serves, and memory sometimes doesn't anymore, I saw that show twice. Once with uh, uh, my now ex-wife and daughter, and once with my brother Gerald and uh, a friend of his. But I saw Bob Dylan at the Pantages a few times. So I might be confusing the two. But one time, one time, I saw uh, one of the dream teams of uh, great uh, 20th century music, Merle Haggard and Bob Dylan together. Not, not together on stage. They didn't play together. Merle came out and did his thing. And man, if you want to hear, if you like clean picking, then you're going to listen to Merle. Merle came out and did his thing. And then um, Bob came out and did his. You know, Bob Dylan has become quite a curiosity in his later years in that almost none of the songs that he plays sound like the original recordings. Not even close to the original recordings. They are constantly reinterpreted and reinterpreted by the bard himself. Uh, for some people, this makes some people angry because they're looking for nostalgia. But for those who aren't, who want to listen to an artist who constantly reinvented himself, even during the highlight of his, the major portions of his career, who uh, disappeared from view for a number of years during a portion of his career, who changed the sound of his voice during a per certain portion of his career, should come no surprise that when Dylan takes the stage now, that he does complete, complete reinterpretations of all of his songs, sometimes from show to show. Uh, anyway, I saw Merle Haggard and Bob Dylan together. It was a pretty cool show. Uh, Merle sounded like Merle. Merle did Merle stuff. Uh, Merle Haggard was someone who um, we liked when we were young hippie kids in the late 60s, early 70s. We thought that he hated us because he wrote one of the anthems that uh, decried us called Oki from Muskogee. Uh, you know, we don't wear our hair long. Down. We don't wear our hair long in Muskogee. We don't take our trips on LSD. So it sounded like he was attacking us. Also with songs like Fight Inside of Me. Little we know is that he just knew where his bread was buttered. He knew what to write about and that uh, he was loaded almost the entire time and tripping on acid. And um, we kind of knew that about him. And even though he was saying that he didn't like us, we uh, still uh, liked him. We still liked Merle. Uh, my favorite Merle Haggard song, you might ask, is Swinging Doors. They got Swinging Doors, a jukebox, and a bar stool. My new home has a flashing neon sign. I used to like to listen to that when I was uh, getting all drunked up in redneck bars when I was a kid. Um, okay, what announcements do I have for you? Hello, champ. Uh, he smoked a trip on acid and drag it. Would you, he smoked a trip on acid and drag it was just bullshit, everybody. So, uh, champ, I think what you're doing is you're doing like a talking type and it's coming out kind of a... You sound like you're on acid. I got to, you know, as much as I respect you and admire you, and I do. Uh, he smoked a trip on acid and drag it was just bullshit, everybody. Um, maybe you want to clarify that. Uh, anyway, uh, what announcements I have this Sunday night? This Sunday night, ladies and gentlemen, we resume. Tony Vizic presents Sunday night's funnier. 
This is our regular seven, uh, Sunday night, 7 o'clock Mountain Standard Time, Zoom show, Zoom stand-up comedy show. I got a doozy for you this week, four great comics, including Travis Minor and uh, kind of a new hot guy. Um, I don't mean a hot guy like he's hot. You know, he's a handsome boy, uh, but uh, becoming a, just hot out of the box, funny, John Ibrahim. Uh, John Ibrahim uh, did his very is one of those people who did his very first show ever with us on Zoom. He's done a few class clown shows with us. He was with us live at Stir Crazy a couple weeks ago. He's doing his first Zoom show as a uh, comic this Sunday night. Tickets are only $10. Tickets are available at ComedySchools.com. ComedySchools.com. When you buy a ticket to Tony Visick Presents Sunday Night's Funnier, you are purchasing three things. Three things. You're purchasing entertainment, and I guarantee you, you're going to be entertained. Uh, you're also uh, buying into the American economy because we use portions of the proceeds to pay the comics, and we use portions of the proceeds to donate. We donate to um, uh, food pantries in my local area. So you're feeding people, paying people, and having fun. Feeding people, paying people, having fun. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Champ writes, I can't find my glasses, so I'm using voice to text. And it comes out as backwards most of the time. But I meant to say he tripped on acid and was drunk most of the time. And then he found his cheaters. Yeah, I know what you mean by cheaters and type of glasses. Yeah, he was. He was an outlaw. He was a rebel. He was a troublemaker. He was a hellraiser. If uh, Merle Haggard had been born in San Francisco or New York City, he would have been a hardcore troubadour. Hardcore troubadour uh, doing folk and protest and rock. But instead, uh, he was born in Oklahoma became uh, an important component to the Bakersfield sound, a sound that I find uh, particularly lovely. Okay, uh, Merle Haggard and uh, uh, Buck Owens and, of course, Dwight Yoakam uh, all coming out of uh, uh, Bakersfield. Uh, he was one of the proponents and one of the creators of that sound. So uh, we liked Merle Haggard. We liked him so much and we paid money to go watch him and we bought a hat with his name on it. So there you go. We've told you about the show Sunday night. Hey, uh, this coming Tuesday... I get something absolutely free for you, like this show. The show's absolutely free. Okay. This Tuesday at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, I'm doing a free intro for my stand-up comedy workshops. I know. I know. You're going, I've never thought about being a stand-up comic. Why would I go to the free intro? Well, you might just want to hear how uh, things are made, hear how things are done. I kind of lay them out for you there. It might increase your appreciation of some of your favorite comedic artists. It just might be a great way to kill an hour on a Tuesday night. What else can you do on a Tuesday night nowadays? All right? They haven't shut us down, ladies and gentlemen, because we found a way to do it like this. We found a new way to do entertainment. Bop, shoe, bop, 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 shoe, bop. It's called the Internet Twist. Bop, shoe, bop. All right, let's get to the stuff. What did I think I'd show you today? I found this. I was digging around. Go. what else can I show the people? Uh, over 100 days now. Uh, here we go. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. That is, uh, most of you are familiar with that. That is the uh, MTV original logo. And on the back, it says half hour, comedy hour. Half hour, comedy hour. The MTV half hour comedy hour was a half hour stand-up comedy show that was produced by MTV in the heyday, the heyday of uh, stand-up comedy, uh, the early to mid-90s. Don Shell says, uh, uh, Merle was born in Alladale. His roots are in Oklahoma. Yes, yes, Don. We, we, we agree. We agree. I think we said that. 
but we said that his uh, if he'd been born in New York City or born in San Francisco or Los Angeles, uh, it might have been a whole different vibe. But he came out of Oklahoma. He came out of that um, work, working poor tradition, you know. Uh, and, of course, he worked those bars in Bakersfield, developed sound there along with Buck Owens. So, yes, his roots are in Oklahoma, which, uh, according to the Supreme Court today, a half of it belongs to uh, Native Americans. So uh, how do you like them apples? I kind of like those apples. But um, I used to own a comedy club. Oh, Oladale, California. Oh, Oil, Oildale, California. Oildale. All right, done. All right. He was born in Oildale, uh, but his roots are in Oklahoma. Yes, okay. All right. Um, <laughs> so, uh, the hell was I just telling you about? Oh, I used to own a comedy club in Oklahoma. That was a uh, that was a, a digression from the MTV shirt. Let me show you the MTV shirt again. Okay, um, just so we can get back on track here. There it is, original logo, right on the back. Half hour comedy hour. This is truly a collector's item right now. Not a lot of them around. I did their stand-up comedy show in the early 90s. It was filmed uh, at a uh, movie studio right off of Melrose Avenue, right next to the Formosa Cafe, legendary Formosa Cafe, which uh, inside still looks almost exactly like it did in the 1940s uh, and is oftentimes used uh, as an interior on movies about Hollywood in the uh, 30s and 40s, Um, including, uh, what did we watch, Hollywood on Showtime? Was that the name of the show? Uh, where he had the fictional Rock Hudson and, and, uh, yeah, we just watched it. And some of that was shot inside the Formosa. And I had a friend of mine, Spike Spangle, who managed that for a while. So, uh, we shot it there. Uh, I, my, uh, dressing roommate was, uh, Norm McDonald. Uh, and I had a pretty good time doing it. And I just thought I'd show that to you as a, a blast from the past. MTV was still doing primarily music videos then. It wasn't too long after that that they fell. Up, they, they came across and created the real world and then became uh, whatever the hell they eventually became because they kind of stopped doing music videos entirely for a while. What's that? Reality-based. A reality-based uh, uh, network. You know, um, what was I, I saw the other day? I saw something on YouTube. It was uh, MTV Spring Break, you know, which uh, where they, uh, they filmed and celebrated, which is a drunken sexual bacchanal. That takes place in Florida, usually in the spring. That, um, for better or worse, looks rather dated now. It kind of looks like what the 1920s looked like flappers and uh, people drinking in gin joints looked to people in the 1930s. We've entered a more conservative and prudish era. For better or worse, it just looked a little odd to be watching, uh, looking at uh, pictures from spring break, MTV spring break. Probably be a little odd to see my uh, stand-up set from MTV back in the early 90s. But there you go. That is our uh, memorabilia or trinket. Um, now let's get to the music. We had a couple things here. This is a very cool album. Marvin Gaye Live. Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye, who is uh, so celebrated and rightfully so as uh, one of the uh, great singers to come out of uh, Barry Gordy's Motown. This is Marvin Gaye Live and... Uh, he sings Troubled Man, Inner City Blues, Make Me Want to Holler, Distant Lover, Jan, uh, I'll Be Doggone, which was one of his uh, early big hits, Try It Baby, Can I Get a Witness, You're a Wonderful One, 
stubborn kind of fellow, how sweet it is to be loved by you. And then, then his two later hits that uh, kept him going for a number of years. Let's get it on. And what's going on? Not on this album, of course, sexual healing. So Marvin Gaye was an interesting guy, African-American man from, I believe, Michigan, who fell in with Barry Gordy, became one of the uh, huge stars out of Motown. Uh, as the years went by, his star somewhat diminished there, but he kept trying and he kept changing. Uh, Barry was very opposed to songs like uh, Let's Get It On and uh, Sexual Healing and especially opposed to What's Going On because uh, Barry didn't want Motown to be involved in um, any sort of controversy at all. But it turned out to be a massive hit and probably his most lasting, uh, the song that really is his most lasting legacy. But he was a great, great singer. Um, like so many singers and artists, like I said, this was a live show, and it doesn't say where it was done. Uh, no, it doesn't say where it was done. But um, he, like so many singers and artists in the 70s and 80s, got far too caught up in drugs. Far too caught up in drugs. Uh, and he uh, developed a horrific cocaine addiction. Uh, nowadays, people understand that you get easily addicted to cocaine. People understand it. But in the 70s, doctors were saying, well, it's just a mild stimulant because of euphoria and friendliness, and I don't see why it would be a problem. I certainly got caught up in it. Uh, and I was never wealthy like Marvin Gaye, but I went from those little bitty tiny uh, McDonald's spoon straws, like that, little Coke, little Coke spoon, to like do it a half a gram just to feel normal, to like smoking the stuff in my closet. Marvin Gaye developed that sort of uh, addiction to cocaine, only worse, same as Richard Pryor did, uh, and so many, so many comics. Skip Stevenson, great comic in the 70s, Horrific cocaine problem. George Miller, great comic in the 70s, developed a terrific cocaine problem. Uh, on and on. Uh, it, it destroyed the band Fleetwood Mac. Uh, the problem with cocaine is you stay awake and you become psychotic. Psychotic and paranoid. And you don't eat and it damages your health. Uh, it certainly destroyed Marvin Gaye. Cocaine addiction. He ended up living with his parents. And uh, while attacking his father, his father shot him. And he came to a uh, no ignoble end. But... Um, I guess the question is, what do you concentrate on once things are passed? Do we concentrate on the wonderful music? Or do we, con or do we concentrate on the fact that he had a troubled life, uh, that he uh, dated frequently, uh, that he developed a horrible drug uh, addiction, and that he attacked his own father, and his father was in such fear for his life that he shot him? I'm going to uh, remember the music. And I'm going to remember what he said in songs like uh, What's Going On. And I remember how good a song like uh, Mickey's Monkey made me feel when I was a little kid. So uh, if you want to listen to something great, go back. This music is around a lot. But go back and listen to Let's Get It On. Listen to What's Going On. Definitely YouTube those. And also I'll Be Doggone. Such a fun, fun tune. Uh, and uh, How Sweet It Is. You know, just great rhythm and blues songs with an incredible voice. Just makes you feel good inside. That's what he left us. The world did one thing to Marvin Gaye, but he left the world so much more. Okay, now this next guy uh, was able to avoid a lot of those pitfalls, although he went through some of them.
All right, but a personal favorite of mine, the uh, poet, picker, prophet, pusher. This man was a pilgrim and a preacher and a problem when he was stoned. That is Chris Christopherson, ladies and gentlemen. The uh, title of this album is Chris Christopherson, Me and Bobby McGee. And it's got just some fantastic tunes on it. Um, side one, blame it on the stone to beat the devil. Me and Bobby McGee, the best of all possible worlds. Help me make it through the night. Protection of the people. Side two is Casey's Last Ride, Just the Other Side of Nowhere, Darby's Castle, For the Good Times, Devalier's Dream, and Sunday Morning Coming Down. So Chris Christopherson is a fascinating character, still alive. Someone who I've seen two or three times. Uh, he started out in life uh, quite normal. Uh, he ended up in the military. He flew helicopters. He was a, uh, um, a road scholar. He was a military veteran with a wife and family who, uh, while his life was totally together, the American dream, inexplicably, he decided he wanted to be a songwriter. This didn't go down well with his wife. They divorced. And he went from officer in the Air Force, road scholar, to sweeping floors at music studios in Nashville. And when someone asked him why he did that, he goes, well, I figured that's where the singers were that I would try to give my songs to. Started out as a songwriter. A songwriter. Never think that he himself would achieve any sort of fame. Um, Ray Price, uh, you really got to be deep into your old country music to know Ray Price, but I do, uh, took a shine to him and recorded um, uh, For the Good Times in a real kind of syrupy, what was called country politan. We can get into that sometime, certain types of country music. Country politan way became a huge country hit for the good times. Uh, then... Then he ended up out in L.A. hanging out with Janis Joplin. And Janis Joplin recorded Me and Bobby McGee. And it became one of the biggest songs of that decade. A song that still resonates. Her version of it is just stunning. But if you listen to uh, Christopherson's version, it's very good too. So his version of Me and Bobby, the, Bobby McGee. I like a lot of the songs on here. Uh, also, um, I believe her name was Sammy Smith. It was a female country singer, young female country singer. Recorded, uh, Help Me Make It Through the Night. One of the great, we've had a little too much drink, we're not supposed to be here in this motel, I'm not supposed to be in your house, type of songs, you know, and it's a, uh, it is a uh, romance and seduction song that only you could only appreciate if you'd had a six-pack of beer, but God, is it a good one. Take the ribbon from your hair, shake it loose and let it fall. So uh, some of the biggest songs of the 70s were recorded by Christopherson. My, uh, now, Glenn Roman, it wasn't necessarily the Nashville sound. It was more called Country Politan that Ray Price had. I mean, we could, you know, it's, it's not a big disagreement, but Ray Price did what was called Country Politan. That's where you had all the lush strings and orchestration behind them. It kind of replaced what had been around in country before that, which was more the honky-tonk sound, you know, just that flat picking sound. So Countrypolitan, uh, that was uh, really embodied in Ray Price, really embodied in a lot of George Jones' work. Think about all the strings and orchestra in songs like The Grand Tour um, uh, and uh, Charlie Rich, you know, all those guys. They were Countrypolitan singers. But Christopherson always blazed his own trail. And he came along at a time when you could write country music and rock music and do extremely well. Not only that, turned out he was a pretty good-looking fella, and the uh, camera loved him, and he made a little movie called Cisco Pike about a drug dealer, about a famous singer who fell on hard times 
and then becomes a drug dealer in Hollywood. He made it, it was him and Harry Dean Stanton. Uh, and uh, the movie didn't do much, but it got him notice, and he went on to become a major Hollywood box office star. A major Hollywood box office star. Doing such uh, movies as uh, uh, Bloom in Love, um, and then Heaven's Gate destroyed his career. He was flying high. He was flying high. He had the world. Uh, an authentic singer, songwriter, poet, respected and admired, yet still writing pop hits, who was also a number one box office movie star. The man had it all. And then he did a film by, uh, directed by Michael Cimino. Michael Cimino had just directed... Um, um, Michael... What the hell was it? It wasn't Heaven's Gate. It was... Uh, anyway, Michael Cimino was a major major uh, director and was making a movie called Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate, The Deer Hunter. Michael Cimito made The Deer Hunter, which blew up and stunned the American public and became one of the highest grossing films of that year or of several years. Yeah, A Star is Born with Strikes It. I got to tell you, Dan, I went back and watched that version of A Star is Born, and I've seen them all from the original, which is called What Price Hollywood with Constant Bennett. Then the uh, 1936 version with, uh, I believe, Myrna Lowe, Lowe, maybe no, Jeanette Gaynor and Frederick March, to the Judy Garland version with James Mason. Right? And then, of course, the Streisand-Christopherson one, and it's pretty bad. Pretty bad. Um, and I think it was bad because John Peters, who had been a hairdresser, the movie Shampoo was kind of based on him, uh, had married Barbara Streisand, became the producer, and... It is Barbara and John run amok with a camera, uh, and it, it comes off poorly. Although Kostrovson comes off pretty good. Of note in that uh, Star is Born is Gary Busey, who does a wonderful job as the cynical manager, road manager for Chris Christopherson. Anyway, Heaven's Gate destroyed his career. One of the biggest, most expensive flops at all time. Even though he had no control over it, he kind of got blamed for it. Destroyed his career. He had to sell his house and do a long journey back. A long journey back. But if you want to listen to wonderful music, what Don Shell says, for the good times, he had beautiful violins, as opposed to country fiddles, still love listening to it. Great song, and that's what makes it countrypolitan instead of straight-up country or honky-tonk or Bakersfield sound. It was that lush orchestration that was going on in Nashville during that time. Ray Price, smart guy, great guy, helped a lot of people. Uh, and you're all smart, and you're all great, and you helped me today by helping me get through another half hour as I stumbled and mumbled uh, talking about things that I love with people that I love and like very much. I'm going to be back tomorrow night, Saturday, at our special time on Saturday, 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, for the big Comedy Jubilee. So I hope you'll be joining us then, and I hope you're going to go to ComedySchools.com right now and buy a ticket for our Sunday night stand-up comedy show on Zoom, Tony Vizic Presents, okay? That's it for right now. I'm going to see you guys tomorrow. You stay safe, okay? Wear a mask. Wear a hat and a mask. You know, wear a mask and a dog collar and just watch people lose their goddamn minds. All right, I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.